Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, uh, currently featuring Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Star Wars Rebels, Moonbeam City, Ruby, and Adventure Time. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I am going to take you solo through the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels, Brothers of the Broken Horn. I've been uh, giving you giving you a solo recap slash reviews every week for this season of Star Wars Rebels. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue for the uh, rest of season two, which could be a while because I think the season's double the length of of season one. Been enjoying it. Um, this is the fourth episode of season two, sixth if you count, you know, the Siege of Lothal movie. And uh, you can find out about this podcast and about our other coverage shows and things like that at overlyanimated.com. And I want to specifically mention our YouTube channel, Overly Animated Podcast on YouTube, where I know a lot of you listen to this one. So uh, let's let me get right into Brothers of the Broken Horn. Uh like I said, the fourth episode, I, uh, Ezra, spoilers, of course, and everything like that, and Ezra kind of character study here, very interestingly. Um, this one was interesting, this episode. Uh, kind of, I'm trying to think of a good analog earlier in the series of one, of an episode that just solely fo- focused in on one of our main characters so much. I mean, of course, we have combinations of two characters of our ghost crew very often and uh, i felt like this one is pretty unique because this was just ezra and a a character that was new to this show but from uh but from clone wars and um then some minor characters we'd seen before on uh on the show so yeah i I think it's kind of a unique uh, unique uh, ezra focused episode Uh, i i liked this one i didn't love it but I haven't loved any episode yet this season. I think the season's starting out very slow. Um, not to be too critical, but it's just, I mean, nothing's been bad. Like, the show's never bad. It's always fine. And uh, this episode, I think, was maybe the best this season. So let's let's get that out of the way. I did enjoy it. Um, that being said, I'll still take, you know, a solid six episodes from from season one over this one. Uh, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I like those ones a lot, and I like this one. To me, I I think Brothers of the Broken Horn is like a companion piece to Path of the Jedi from, from season one, um, which is, you know, maybe my favorite episode of this show. Uh, the finale of season one is very good as well. And, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> usually i don't know usually on these i ramble about character arcs of each character featured in the episode and really it's just ezra so you know let's get let's get right into ezra here um i i so a lot of this episode isn't trying what i like about it is um the show can be on the nose in terms of its big character moments to make sure it accomplishes what it wants to do and i think that's a decent strategy um it's better to, um, you know, put what you want to get through in your audience's face and make sure they understand rather than you being too subtle and then your point is just largely missed. Uh, so at the end of this episode, we have um, Ezra saying, I used to be like Ando, out for myself and alone, but that's not who I am anymore. And then Kanan says, you're on a different path now. And Ezra says, I have you guys. So super, super on the nose dialogue at the end. However... Um, I think this episode earns that exchange. Uh, you're, you like, okay, so how does, uh, a show, you know, kind of earn dialogue? It's, it's tricky. It's, um, uh, it, nothing, of course, I don't know. That sounds kind of pompous that like it needs as an audience, I need 
like dialogue to be earned. But if you're going to make big points and you're going to, you know, make very general statements, then I think there needs to be predicates for what is what is being said. Um, this is like, okay, so an obvious example of this is like if a character has a big change, a big uh, development, then that needs to be brought up or else it's unrealistic that a character could change without seeing why. Um, so this is kind of, uh, I guess that's related to Ezra here because, uh, you know, we're commenting on a change from Ezra until now from, uh, the beginning of the show, but we've, we've had changed Ezra for quite a while. And like I said, Path of the Jedi, um, featured maybe a stronger version of the conclusion reached in this episode. And I think that might be the biggest criticism of Brothers of the Broken Horn, that it is really just a B-level Path of the Jedi. I mean, I don't know I don't know if everyone loved Path of the Jedi as much as I did, but uh, the conclusions Ezra reaches at the end of that episode about himself, how he wants to help people, and that's why, you know, that's what he finds meaning in being a Jedi and uh, being with the Ghost Crew. Um, those seem stronger than the ones reached here. However, um, I feel like this episode is allowed to stand on its own. Uh, stand on its own. Of course, it's it's with all the other Ezra development we've had. But I think this episode is allowed to rehash that point because it's a big, uh, it's the biggest thing about Ezra. In the in the beginning, he was kind of this uh, amoral, selfish force, um, and now he's a very moral and cooperating with um, other many other people. Uh, the force, you know, so it's a big change. It's it's. Uh, it's most characters it's hard to do something like that it's kind of not believable people a lot of us view that that is not the way people work um i mean i don't necessarily believe that i kind of think that journeys like ezra can be things that you know human beings in the real world experience however um especially when watching it on tv that's something that's hard hard to change our perceptions of of a character and uh for Ezra, the biggest thing going for that change is his age, I think. Um, he was just this abandoned, you know, like, what, however old he is, 12-year-old kid or something. And now, um, as he learns more about the world and as he, you know... Um, you know, enters or goes through puberty or whatever. Uh, it it's it, I think it's realistic that he could uh, take on this big of an essential character change. So I've been really enjoying what they've been doing with Ezra. Um, a character like Ezra, I'm not going to be naturally sympathetic to. I kind of mentioned this. Um, I did these uh, YouTube reviews when I was catching up on season one. Um, and <clears throat> Ezra is, when we meet Ezra, he is the most stereotypical character I've ever seen. He is an orphan. He is a trickster. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is your typical young male character in this kind of show. And um, I wasn't loving him at first. He wasn't unsympathetic. I think his voice actor does a very good job kind of making him feel uh, emotions. You know, like like a character like Ezra, especially in the beginning when he's a super amoral, amoral force, we can just be like, oh, well, look at this uh, jerk. Um, but I think Ezra's voice actor does a very good job of conveying that he's feeling things. And um very quickly i think ezra kind of becomes sympathetic to me which is um with the, without knowing me knowing my opinions on shows too well if you're like new to the podcast and stuff that might not mean a lot i'm i find it hard a lot of times to become invested in male characters in animated shows because i think a lot of the times they're 
kind of these super emotionally stint, stunted uh, portrayals. Um, you know, kind of Kanan in the beginning, something like that. Before we really knew who Kanan was, uh, maybe... No, Zeb, Zeb kind of had good stuff from the beginning. But, um, you know, actually, now that I think about it, the show really does handle its male, male care leads very well. Um, they all kind of feel things. Um, that's my biggest thing with, with male characters. Like... Uh, why can they not feel things? I don't think that's realistic. I, I'm kind of offended by that notion as as a male. If that, uh, like, I, I feel things, I have emotions, why can't the characters I'm, I'm seeing either? And they're just kind of really boring without them. That's my thing. So, but Ezra... Um, is uh very is very empathetic to me um i i kind of feel for him i i like the kind of development arc he's been on and um i like it continued here in this episode just been ranting in general for five minutes but uh as so in this episode ezra uh to me i think the big thing here with ezra now that I just thought of that, this like what's like what stands out from this episode? This a lot of episodes of Star Wars Rebels are kind of the very similar. You just you go, we have to go get uh, the certain ship object from some, one of the three dealers that we keep going back to. Visago's one of them, and uh, two of our leads go off specifically. It's the same thing over and over, but shows in general like that. This one's different because we have just Ezra, and it's like what stands out to me Ezra in this episode from before. Um, you know, I think it's how competent Ezra is. That's kind of a weird thing to focus on, but like Ezra just is, does a lot on his own here. We've, we've kind of seen in the past, he needs to be rescued by Zeb. He needs to be rescued by whoever in the, in the crew, you know? Um, and he's, he's always been in training and it's, I think, uh, he's, hasn't seemed super powerful. He's done some cool Jedi stuff, but, uh, it's, it's nothing that he's accomplished something on his own. And here, of course, the mission screws up, but that always happens, you know, even if we have the the more experienced members of the ghost on board it's it's always going to be kind of a colossal screw up with this crew but they always you know pull it out at the end so uh but ezra here uh he you know he fixes he fixes the ship's power he kind of manipulates the politics of things um he correct he easily cooperates with chopper okay so chopper is also in this episode i never talk about chopper but um Chopper is super annoying. I will say that all droids are the most annoying, but Chopper, uh, I, I like Chopper's use in this episode. Um, I think, I think they kind of straddle the line between how much of a character to make Chopper and not kind of correctly. Like he's not anywhere close to developed as the rest. Although I mean, Hera is absolutely not developed. So maybe Chopper is more of a character than Hera, but, um, that is something I would like to see change soon. And, uh, but uh he's kind of just this uh chaotic force um that works with our main group and i like how chopper plays a role here in that um ezra like cooperates with him and you see ezra's um competency his leadership maybe his uh you know uh just just making the sure with chopper what to do and just everything kind of works out ezra sees it's gonna be with uh you know when they go to sell the crates and uh, as morgan's there um there yeah so i i just i like how uh so yeah as we're very very competent everything kind of goes well and i think that this is um a, a progression in his abilities and we kind of see that in the beginning he's been training that's kind of how we open every episode recently as there's training training here we have the thing with um here he's doing uh he's doing his blaster training with rex and then he's doing his lightsaber training with um with kanan um 
And then he's like, what if I don't want to do it? What if I don't want to be either? So he kind of has this um, this uh, crisis of uh, identity, I guess, in the beginning. And then by the end, he reassures that, you know, yeah, I do want to be with you guys. Um, I don't I don't want to be like uh, Hondo, who is just looking out for himself. Um, and even if I have too much to do, because he also had to clean the ship or something, it's uh, he, that's 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 uh, I, I still want to, to be with the crew. Um so I don't know much to say about that specific framing of that arc. Like I kind of presented in the past 10 minutes, how I viewed Ezra's arc with that outside of that framing, if that makes sense. Like, um, this identity crisis, I don't know how successful the episode is on selling me that that's a thing. Um, it's possible that it, it, it reframes it from, uh, from what am I, like, am I doing too much? Am I, what am I focusing on here to do? I want to be with these guys at all. It's kind of like it frames Ezra's, um, it's like you are doing blaster and lightsaber and cleaning the ghost or you're doing none of it, right? That's kind of what it gets framed into. And I think that's, that's, uh, I think it makes sense. You know, I'm not questioning the, the, the concept. Like, I think, I think it's a logical way to proceed with this, to proceed with this arc, but I am kind of questioning, um, but it, you know, it just, it's like, I kind of lost that initial framing of it, which is fine. Cause I, I took my own meaning in, um, within, uh, Ezra's arc as I presented, uh, in the previous, you know, X minutes, um, and that's a it's I'm not saying I'm right and that's what I take away from it it's kind of just how you view the character and how you view the show so it's I think it's an opinion thing um so yeah I'm, I'm impressed with Ezra he did everything really well I like how he interacted with everyone um seemed like he kind of considered considered Hondo's offer for a little bit to join him as a pirate um but uh which I think makes sense when you take characters who were one way and then you have them be a new way, one way to make it feel earned that they have really changed, um, and it's not and it's not just this uh, about face, is to remind us that this character isn't one hundred percent with their new identity. Because when I, I this is my impression of how it works in in real life, when people kind of have this about face of their entire identity. It's and you just have no trace of their previous life. It's super. Uh, it feels so phony, and I think that that's something a lot of people would agree with. So, um, like you have uh, someone in your life who one day reinvents themselves. Uh, it's something that a lot of times just does not feel legitimate. Um, and so, one in a show, if you're gonna have a character about face, you need to you know, give traces of their old or their old ways. So Ezra considering, oh, you know, I, I think I would make a good pirate there. And he says to Hondo, you know, one time I might've joined your crew. That really, that really sells this, this change for him. And it makes it feel genuine. Um, so I, I, I appreciate these, these small things that they include with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, other, other aspects of this episode. So we, you know, we have, uh, we have a Hondo or uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> uh, his last name is from. Uh, he was a character in uh, Clone Wars, but uh, Hondo Onaka. Uh, but I did not watch Clone Wars, so I didn't have much to say about that. He was a. Uh, he works in this episode. He's kind of a Lando Calrissian type force within this episode compared to Idiot's Lantern. I mean, this episode I called it kind of a companion piece to um, Path of the Jedi. It's also kind of a sequel to Idiot's Lantern. Um, Idiot's Array, sorry. Um, is that a Doctor Who episode, Idiot's Lantern? Anyway, um, yeah, Idiot's Array. Uh, this episode is kind of a, a sequel to we have uh, Ezra calling himself Lando Calrissian, which is pretty funny. And then we have uh, the return of um, 
of whatever the red guy, the red guy's name is, as Morgan. Um, I don't know. He's he's as Morgan is not the most uh, memorable character, but I, like he brings back memories of Lando, who I think has been the best single guest character on the show. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Idiots. I think that episode's very good, and I'm hoping that Lando will return soon. I think he will. Um, anyway, we also have the the return of Azago, who is one of those characters who I just <laughs> I just don't remember their function in the show. You know, there's like this solid there's these solid three groups of people who've been named who just who like you either they either sell things for or they get things from and it's like they're never real people. I guess Vizago was that one who did have a legitimate scene with um with uh, Ezra who told him where Kanan would be. Um and when they went to Vizago at the end, probably in the third to last episode or second to last episode last season, um, I was like, Who is this guy? <laughs> I guess I remember his name, but I don't remember seeing him. So that's the scene I remember Vizago for, and Ezra brought that up specifically, or Vizago did. So uh I, I remember that from that. So I guess the show sometimes I guess you have to like point things out flat blatantly like that, especially with super minor characters. I have nothing to say about Vizago. <laughs> I, I don't care about him. Um, as as Morgan is is okay. He's I, I like how uh, over the top he is. And um, I was, one thing with this Morgan is I like he's kind of competent. Like I'm talking about competency a lot. It's kind of a recurring theme of our Moonbeam City conversations. Uh, but uh, talking about the main character of that show, whether he's competent, but. Um, in terms of villains, if you're having like comedic villains, it kind of adds a layer of a legitimacy to them if they seem competent at what they're doing. And as Morgan always presents a real threat, so I like how they've handled him. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he's just there for a little bit. But anyway, Hondo's the uh, the bit the big force here, and uh, we kind of have a uh, Lando Carusian type dynamic. It's like, who is this guy? What is his real role in things? Well, like, who's who's he? Is he's on our side? It's it's similar both functioned as it we never really questioned we questioned it but we never strayed off from them being a uh help to our heroes and um hondo's like the same as uh as uh, lando and that they're both they're both just these uh forces of kind of chaotic good on uh the entire time but it's like what specifically are they going to do to achieve that good it's like they're probably not going to betray our main characters and they never really do either of them um I guess Hondo. I thought at one point there that's where we're going with Hondo, and then it turned around very quickly. I guess he tries to get out, um, and then uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I, it gets it's confusing. And then I guess he's kind of betraying them at the end, and then um, then uh, Chopper said it's autopilot back to them, and then he's trying to worm his way out of it. I thought the ending was pretty was pretty good, pretty funny, um, and it wasn't obvious what was going on, so I liked that, I guess, although it was a little, a little chaotic at the end, a little, a little hard to figure out, um, anyway, it's, some, some people might be like, no, it's not, it was too simple, this episode, and yeah, I, I feel like, I don't, I'm not super focused on the specifics plotty of what's going on, I feel like the character motivations and stuff were the more, uh, and I also think the episode, that's what the episode was focusing on too. Like, I feel like that was pretty clearly the focal point here. It was like, what's going on with Ezra. So, um, I like Hondo's role in this. I like how, uh, he interacts with Ezra. Um, Ezra has a lot of, of, uh, older male forces in his life. So here's another one who's influencing him. And, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't have much to have more to say about how, how Hondo functions. He, he, uh, it's I, I i question why we have him and not lando you know i feel like there's there's similar thing here and obviously they're different and lando's this actual character and then hondo's from this other show and 
I don't have the attachment to the other show, so I don't get as much from his appearance here. And we're kind of going this season is kind of take give back uh, characters from uh, from Clone Wars. So I don't I, I think we have too many characters from Clone Wars. Let's have characters from from the show. But that's a whole another discussion about how they handle this show being part of a larger Star Wars mythology, which I have had before in these in these solo discussions. But um, yeah, so I, I like him. I'd like to see him back. Uh, it. Um, he was, uh, I'm a longtime Jedi sympathizer. He says he was old friends with the Jedi, or were we friends? And I think it's, I don't know, he was either referring to, what, Anakin or um, Ashoka, you know, one of them. Anyway, um, it's, yeah, so, so, yeah, so the plot of this episode is not super, I mean, it's it's kind of simple. It's also not super important. Let's go through specifics um, as I look at my show notes that I took during the outline. Uh, during the outline that I took during the show. Um, we had the whole thing with Visago's droids. Yeah, I haven't talked about that. And the kind of switch to turn them on and off, and Ezra kind of takes that. Um, and then we have the whole thing passing around of the switch for the droids. Um, visually, I think the show keeps track of that pretty well. That's kind of, I don't know, it's a weird thing to bring up on a podcast, but like uh, things like that can get lost if you don't have your visual cues set properly. Um Choppers were all in this. We had oh, we had chopper wielding guns in, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> chopper just comes out shooting. I don't know if we'd seen that before. That was kind of striking. Uh, uh, yeah, we talked about Ezra fixing the power. We had the Empire here for a second, but this is an Empire light episode for sure. Um, they're smuggling power generators with a five hundred percent markup. You remind me of a great pirate. I know me, he says. So yeah, there's that whole thing where it's like, oh, you know, Ezra's young me. I feel like we've had this with several older male role models for Ezra. Um, as Morgan, uh, the chopper backup, um, he's not Calvary's man. You lied to me. I knew I liked you. That was a nice line from, uh, from Hondo. Um, we've got, uh, Mondo says, join my crew and we'll split it in the middle. 50, 40, 10 is on expenses. Uh, Ezra wants the generators and he joined his crew for a second. Um, I don't want to leave the ghost, he says to Chopper. Not, no, not really. So I liked, I like that framing. Uh, it's like we actually have legitimizing this identity crisis for Ezra. We have, um, maybe I'd make a good pirate. Inquisitors don't hunt them. I think that's kind of showing that Ezra is kind of wearing from the constant threat from the Empire here, uh, which I like. No, uh, we don't see our Inquisitors this episode that we saw last time, but uh, they remain a presence in Ezra's um, fears, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, Vizago, you owe me, remember, gave you info and saved your Jedi friend. Um, Vizago stole back the droid activator, attacked them. I hate children. Um, they go back to whatever planet they're on. They mention a lot of planets here, and they're not, none of them are relevant, so I didn't keep track. Um, uh, you know where Hondo will be, Hondo with the rest of the ghost crew. Um, Chopper had the thing on autopilot. You can keep the generators. At one time, I might have joined your crew. Okay. And then, oh yeah, tell Commander Sato that Ezra found his generators, says Hera. So clearly them being proud of Ezra wanting to give him credit. I feel like they should be mad at Ezra. He kind of took the ship on his own. That that seemed like not the thing to do. So that's maybe that's showing that there's more trust for, for Ezra among the ghost crew. So there you go. I know I just read quotes from the episode, but a little bit. Just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. So Brothers of the Broken Horn overall, I I, I liked it. I think it might be my favorite episode this season. Episode two is also kind of strong. The Lost Commanders. Uh, Relics and Lothal. Or Relic. No, um... Relics and Broken Horn are the two strong ones, and always two there are, and uh, Lost Commanders are... Eh. I'm waiting for a uh, a kind of um, standout episode. To me, I look at season one, 
I see uh, I see Rise of the Old Masters. I see Breaking Ranks. I see uh, Path of the Jedi, Idiot's Array, and uh, Fire Across the Galaxy. And I don't think any of these episodes have stood out to that group of episodes so far. Of course, my opinion. You know, Idiot's, Idiot's Array is kind of a personal favorite. Same thing with uh, Breaking Ranks, you know. Um, most people, I think, would agree that it hasn't been incredible so far, though. Uh, that's kind of the thing with the show. It's we're we're questioning what is what is Star Wars Rebels. We're losing. Um, we lost Greg Weissman this season, and he is brilliant. So Greg Weissman. So, uh, what are we gonna do without him? With just Dave Filoni and, you know, and Simon Kinberg. Um, and I'm you know you're wondering whether the show can maintain its uh, season one quality. But at the end of season one, I didn't want the show to maintain the quality. I wanted it to improve. Like the season was good. It was a very good at season one for its TV show. But I kind of want more from that, especially for a property such as Star Wars with so much writing on it. Uh, so you know, I'm a little I'm a little on the fence right now. I mean, I'm going to keep watching and keep talking about it. Uh, but I'm I'm wondering whether the show will achieve the critical quality level that I kind of uh, hope and expect it does. Next week is Wings of the Master. Um, at least Disney is airing the show every week, unlike their other property that we cover, Gravity Falls, and unlike Comedy Central, which had random spacing for uh, for Moonbeam City, which is not new tonight, so there's no podcast on that. Um, I don't wonder what the crossover is between people listening to our Rebels and Moonbeam City podcast. Probably zero. Anyway, uh, that's all. Yes, yeah, so that's it for this one, Bros of the Broken Horn. You know, on the AV Club scale, I'd give us like a B plus, I guess. I, won't, I don't think their review is up yet, so uh, we'll check on that when I get there. Um, yeah, it was it was it was okay. It was it was good. It was good. Um, I just I just want more. So that's why I'm saying saying it's okay, and I don't think that's super unreasonable. I think that it is very possible that the show can do can do better. So there you go. So let me know in the uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment and I'll reply whether you agree with my assessment or not. Am I too low on the show? Am I too high? Am I missing some vital things? What Star Wars mythology aspects did I get wrong? Because I'm not an expert on that. Although I try to do the research before I record these. So uh, there you go. Um, I'm Dylan Heisen, and you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. Uh, oh boy, our next podcast um, might not be for a while. It might not be until next Wednesday. Uh, because no Moonbeam City tonight, Ruby I also feel like is not new on Sunday, and no Gravity Falls on Monday. So uh, the one thing that we have coming up are Adventure Time podcasts, and no Adventure Time is new this week. I am frantically catching up on the show. I was like two years behind. Um, so we will have coverage in time for the miniseries in two weeks. And before that, we'll have at least one podcast or, or so. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, check out OverlyAnimated.com for more. Tell me, let me know what you thought of this. I get very little feedback on these podcasts. So I would appreciate any that you can provide. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.